following program is intended for mature audiences. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Let's talk football. Let's talk football. One constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. There's been a lot of complaints already. Bad language, smoking grass. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Well, for the second week in a row, we've got a an extra special episode. This <laughs> this is the Mifka episode. The I have spent all afternoon trying to figure out what that means. It's the Make the Intentional Foul Podcast Great Again Election Day Special. <laughs> I didn't even know. I didn't even come up with anything close. Yeah, to that. I, I, you know, it just these things come to me. You know, well, of course. <laughs> well, I mean, we, you know, not a lot, not a lot going on right now in the sports world. We're going to talk a lot no. of football. Um, you know, a couple of uh, little baseball nuggets to wrap the season up. Um, some uh, some info on what's going to happen going forward here with the NBA season, and then we've got another debacle week up in Madison with the Badger <laughs> football team. So. Uh, some stuff to get to, but first and foremost, how uh, how are you doing? How's how's the family? How's the health? Everybody, nobody killing each other yet. No, the girls are actually being pretty responsible with their schoolwork. Jane's still working and doing virtual meetings and stuff. I've just taken a backseat to doing anything. Like I emailed people about the Badgers today. We'll get to that. I mean, I can just watch from the sideline and and fire some emails off, but uh, technically, I would be good past quarantine tomorrow morning. Like, I could go into work. They have decided to extend that by five or six days just out of safety precautionary reasons. So, I mean, I'm I'm good to go. I have taste buds here and there. I can catch a whiff of some stuff, but um, the family's pretty healthy, and I could probably go back to work tomorrow if I wanted to, but they have said that uh, take a couple extra days off, and if they're going to pay me to do it, I guess I'll sleep in till seven seven thirty. Yeah, I mean, you know, I guess you know it's not it's not a vacation, but if you're feeling no. okay, and you know, yeah. yeah, they're paying you to not come in, and I guess understandably so. Yeah, take advantage of it. Just you know, get get the the last of your yard work done on a couple of these nice <laughs> days once you can get outside, and you know, being I, of that. My neighbor did a bunch of yard work today for about six hours. Wow. He's got a farm tractor in his backyard. <laughs> and that's I in the city. That's funny. Yes, correct. It's right right off. Yeah, you know where I live. I mean, we're right off a main drag by two retail giant places. So it's not like he's going to, you know, uh, harvest some crops or anything. That's It's just a giant farm tractor right behind a new three-car garage outbuilding that he built right in the middle of his backyard and now he's got like every kind of trailer and implement just sitting out there it's i don't know if he's ready to run run a rummage sale or what the deal is well throw him a couple bones and have him come over to your house and finish up <laughs> right so since he got all these things and all this extra time and are running a landscape company be my guest right 
Well, let's uh, let's get into this uh, this Please. this Sunday that we just had. We'll we'll start with the late game, um, which yes. was Bears Saints, mainly because I just want to get it out of the way early so I can move <laughs> on with the rest of the show. Um, the Bears lose at home in overtime to the Saints, twenty six twenty three, in a game that the score didn't really dictate the game. I mean. The Bears had an opportunity to win it, shockingly, at the end, but that really wasn't very close in terms of how the game was played. Um, just another really, really ugly offensive outing from the Bears, um, some of which is a little out of their control, and I'll, I'll get to their injuries in a minute, but um, just bad, man, just bad football, and... I don't remember if I texted you or if I texted one of my other buddies, but Buck and Aikman did that game. That was the mm-hmm. you know, it was the game of the week, and I I can't remember the last time I heard an announcer just like openly rip and have just utter disgust for a team that he had to sit there and broadcast like Aikman did towards the Bears, and as a Bear fan, I loved every minute of it because everything that he said was freaking true. And, you know, I've, I've seen some people taking some shots at him, calling him unprofessional, but it's like, look, that that's the kind of analysis that I want. And like right. I said, it was truthful. I mean, he's talking about the lackadaisicalness of, of the guys coming out of their routes. You know, he went after Jimmy Graham on a, there was a third down play across the middle and if he keeps running, he catches it for a first down and he slows up and, you know, the defender is able to catch up and knock it away. And, you know, just a really, you know, it's one of those things where it's the old you are what your record says you are, but that's not <laughs> always true. And in the case of the Bears, it is not true. Um, I mean, did you get a chance to watch much of that game? or I watched the first half and then we started to do other stuff. Towards the uh, towards the second half, so I didn't see the overtime period or anything like that. Um, but from what I saw, it, I saw a couple of flashes from Montgomery that you and I were texting. That I, you know, he he ripped off his longest run of the season, and then there were other times where he just got clobbered. Foles was was under duress constantly, and I know that that you were talking about the offensive line a little bit, but that that offensive line is is absolutely horrible. But I mean, in the aftermath, it was. It was amusing to me about the conversation of whether they should go back to to Trubisky and even our our buddy Lauren, who does the Locked On Bears podcast and covers them for Pro Football Focus, he even tweeted I think earlier in the week that um, Trubisky should be used by the Bears like Taysom Hill is by the Saints, mm-hmm. and you got a little bit of that just a taste of it, and I, I don't think Trubisky's anywhere near as athletic or can do all the things that Taysom Hill could do, but it, a lot of it just seemed like a jumbled mess to me where nothing was ever perfectly in sync for Chicago but just because of however different many units had problems with them. Well, I, I you know, I, I saw and heard a lot of the Trubisky stuff too, and you know, I, I understand that's you know that's just a visceral reaction to having watched two weeks of basically in two weeks the bears have had one drive one legitimate drive 
Mm-hmm. And it was the touchdown in the first half against the Saints where they had a 50-yard pass to Mooney and then like a mm-hmm. 25-yard touchdown pass to uh, Robinson. Other than that, you know, it's all field goals and, and barely moving the football. Um, the Montgomery thing, and, and this is my problem that I've had with Montgomery, I, I like him as a, as a player. I think he's a decent back, but he has no burst. Like that, no. that run he had there, that should have been a touchdown run. Should have been a touchdown, absolutely. But he gets caught from behind by two guys. Like, yep. you know, and when your offense is struggling like the Bears and you get those opportunities, you know, you got to be able to cash in. But the the line is absolutely decimated. Um, it's not very good to begin with, and now you're talking about they they went into the game the other day, and they've already lost one of their guards, James Daniels, for the year. Um, their center, Cody Whitehair, did not play. Then during the game, they lose two other starting linemen. Then today it's announced that one of those linemen, Bobby Massey, he's going on IR. And they lost two other linemen, Ifedi, who was a starter, and Spriggs, who was a backup. They've lost both of those guys this week to COVID. So they now have a rookie who's promoted from the practice squad to the roster, this Lachavius Simmons. And they got to sign, they basically got to sign a couple of street free agents to be able to fill out their, their line. Um, Nick Foles is bad, but when you. Don't give him any protection. It's not even really fair. Um, like I said to my dad on Monday, if I hadn't watched it live with my own eyes, there's no way in hell I would ever believe that that guy was a Super Bowl MVP. It's it's <laughs> it's unbelievable, man. Like some of his decisions and some of the throws that he's made the last couple weeks, I, I I don't I don't understand it. I mean, it's apparent to me that you know. When everything is perfect for him, great line, good receivers, good backs, good play calling like he had for that little run in Philadelphia, he can succeed. But whenever things aren't perfect, like last year in Jacksonville and now with the Bears and before when he was with the Chiefs, like he's terrible. He's not really a starting quarterback. Like I'm sitting there watching a guy like Jameis Winston rot this year on the Saints bench, and I'm like, I would much rather have him than have Nick Foles. You know, and and it's this is the frustrating part for me as a Bear fan. I almost feel worse right now. They've had worse quarterbacks. I mean, I've I've lived through Jim Miller and Shane Matthews and yeah. you know no, we, Kyle Orton and like they've had worse quarterbacks than they have right now. But I'm not sure the situation's ever been worse because you've got Pace as the GM who's had three kicks at a quarterback in his era here. He gave $45 million in a, in, uh, on a three-year deal to Mike Glennon. Everybody knows about the Trubisky pick and how they traded up for that. That didn't work. And then they trade a fourth-round pick for Foles. And it's like you could have had so many other guys. I mean, obviously the Mahomes-Watson thing sticks out, but it's like you could have had Cam Newton this year. I'm not saying Cam Newton's a great player anymore, but he's better than Foles. And you wouldn't have even had to give up anything to get him. So I'm I'm frustrated because this team is is probably going to be in that nine and seven, eight and eight range. They're going to be right on the border of the playoffs. So you're talking what mid round pick, first round pick? That's not really Which where you're does nothing. Yeah, you're not finding a franchise quarterback at pick nineteen. 
Right. So, like, they're too good they, they're, to bottom out. They're not good enough to do anything. And it also allows Nagy and Pace to probably keep their jobs another year and have another opportunity to maybe pick a quarterback. And it's like, how many chances do you get? Well, I mean, right now, the seeing Cam Newton fall apart in a place like New England with a good coach, and granted, he doesn't have a lot around him. I'm I think the, sure I think the COVID might have fucked him up. Uh, he's, yeah. He has not been the same since he had that. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe he's just washed. But he can't be worse than Nick Foles. <laughs> Jameis Winston, I wouldn't mind taking a flyer on him. Um, but I, I saw an interesting poll today, and I guess I'll be curious to see where you land. And it was from one of the one of the six seventy guys. I don't think it was from an ESPN one thousand guy. If you had to make a choice, would you rather get rid of Nagy's play calling duties and? give it to somebody else, or would you rather put Trubisky back in as starting quarterback? Oh, Nagy, get, get, play calling to somebody else. That was a landslide when when I saw the results of that. You know, and, and I think that one of, the, one of the biggest problems that the Bears have, other than their anemic offense, they're really sloppy and undisciplined. Like, they, they're... They get a lot of stupid penalties. They get delay of games. You know, Foles had the comment about not getting the play in on time last week. Um, that speaks of the head coach doesn't have his finger on the pulse of the entire team. It's almost like he's so focused on play calling, he's missing stuff. I mean, when when Wims threw his little chicken shit sucker punches at that, that D-back for the Saints... Nagy said in the press conference that he didn't even see it because he was looking down. Well, he was looking down on his play right, sheet because he, he was worried about the play yeah. call. Yep. You know, and right. it's like all this, all these little things that are slipping through the cracks are showing up on game day. I mean, the end of the first half and like the first six or seven minutes of the third quarter of that Saints game was some of the worst football I've ever seen at the professional level. I mean, it was bad penalties, meltdowns, those fights, interception, like, I said it to you that day as, as it happened in real time. I would have cut that dude. Right. You're the fifth string wide receiver on a team that can't score. What what value do you have? You're No. That, we're, you're in a one-possession game in the second half against a, a team that's going to make the playoffs that you're fighting with. You need the tiebreaker, and you're going to do that? Like, you, what are you you're doing? You're going to hurt your team to that degree, yeah. Just asinine. Nope. I don't I I don't disagree with you. So I, I mean I've been I've been seeing this in Green Bay constantly and it started to happen really late in in the McCarthy era and it's happened with LaFleur so far in his first 2 years because even even Rodgers and some of the offensive players have lamented about how long these play calls are that Rodgers now has to use a, a you know a wristband cheat sheet to figure out what his coach is calling, and they they never snap the ball with more than three seconds left on the play clock mm-hmm. ever. But part of me feels like, and just kind of hearing your response to Nagy and, and what's going on on in the field, as soon as the result of the play is done, and you know down in distance, you're calculating in your head what's next on the play sheet. Mm-hmm. And that, 
to me says that you don't like like you mentioned you don't have the feel of the game but maybe you don't have time that's what i'm thinking where an offensive coordinator would come in more handy Mm -hmm. you know what i mean totally man i totally agree like and, and and that's fine if you want to leave if you want to have a hold on a lot of the play calling duties, but then you gotta have somebody in your pocket or in your ear to talk about those things about what's going on, so that you don't just you know watch the play head down, watch the play head down, watch the play head down. Like there's to me, I have no basis for this obviously because we're just watching like everybody else on Sunday. You would need to have a little bit more concept about what to grasp the feel of things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Instead of just looking at X's and O's and down and distance. Well, there's just got to be more to it than that. For sure. Um, well, I mean, going forward, they don't have the toughest schedule in the world, but, you know, considering the way they play and their inability to score, I don't really, you know, you're sitting at five and three. I think you got to go four and four the rest of the way to have a legitimate shot at the playoffs, which, you know, again, whatever. You're going to make the playoffs and get beat. Great. Who cares? Um, they got, you know, they got to go to a pissed off Tennessee team this week. Um, and then, mm-hmm. you know, and then they still got two games with the Vikings, two games with the Packers, one with the Lions, and then they got Houston and Jacksonville. So, um, Jacksonville is really the only team on there that you would say is a guaranteed win. Um, I don't know. It's it's not looking good for the Bears team this year, and I, I, I'm not sure that the that the management's got the balls to pull the plug on Pace and Nagy yet. But man, they got to be getting close. They got be there's got to be some conversations of you know if this ends up a six and ten, seven and nine team, we got to make some changes. Well, at the rate the defense is playing, you can you can look at some of those teams, and maybe if you play such a crappy offense, you can hope that must route 10, 13, 14 points, and maybe try and and get something. Like I'm, I'm actually surprised they put up that many against New Orleans, but that's just me. It's such a weird Bears defense, though. Like they're not great against the run, and they and they give up yards. But it's like once you get down to the red zone, you can't. It's really, really hard to score a touchdown on them. So, you know, there's been a lot yeah. of a lot of field goals against them, and a lot of, um, you know, large chunks of field, you know, field position changing hands there. But not a lot of turnovers forced, and not a lot of three and outs. So, but but I think statistically the Bears rank real high with with their defense. But I, I don't know. It's it's just really hard to win in in the NFL in 2020 when you're relying on your defense to score a touchdown for you every week. I, I, it's I, I just don't know how yep. you can do it. All right, let's. That's enough of the Bears. Let's move on to the Packers. Um, another uh, ugly one. I I didn't watch a ton of this one. Um, I did see a good part of the fourth quarter. Um, Dalvin Cook went nuts as he is prone to do against the Packers. I mean, he sees that green and gold helmet and he's just starts licking his lips like what is it like he's got six touchdowns against them in like the last three games or something like that um, that sounds right yep but uh i mean you know i had texted you early in the game because the packers scored right away like they always do that i said this team's going 14 yeah. and 2 
And, you know, av- after this loss, I still think they're going to go 13-3. and three. Um, But who, who who the hell is this team? Like, what are they? Weren't we saying this at the same time last year pretty much all season, too? Pretty much. Because they had gotten their ass kicked a couple of times late in the season, and they got run all up on, and... They had these bad games, and we were both, I mean, we weren't the only ones, but we were wondering exactly what kind of a makeup is this team and what what is their identity. And we, I don't think we knew about that up until they got their ass kicked in the NFC title game. And now you basically have the same script for some of these wins and losses. Yeah, it's, it's bizarre. I mean... Yeah, they they've they've had weirdly the last two seasons they've had some really really fortunate injury luck for them in terms of who's missing off the other team. Now they've also had their own injuries. You know, Adams missed a couple games, and now Jones being out. But I don't know, man. Like I was trying to think of a way to how to describe this team as as a as an outsider looking in. You know, I've heard a lot of people are calling them front runners. You know, when 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 things are, you know, when they get off to a good start and they get the lead and they're playing a team that isn't that good and they're comfortable. You know, then everything looks like a million bucks, which is partly true, but I'm not sure that's totally fair. Um, I just look at this team and it's the same as I did last year. I just think they're soft, and I'm not talking mm-hmm. about like they don't have hard hitting guys. I, I almost think they're, like, mentally soft. It, it reminded me, I tried to give you an analogy, and I put it on the notes here. This the, They kind of remind me of, like, Mike Tyson before he fought Buster Douglas and got beat, where it was like he beat a couple of good guys early in his career, but for the most part he was just knocking out tomato cans in the first round, and, you know, it, <laughs> it, it, it looks scary as hell. But then he actually fights somebody that kind of knows what they're doing, and he gets hit in the mouth. And then he's all of a sudden he's on all four scrambling for his mouth guard and, and he gets beat. And it's it seems to be when the Packers play a team that, you know, San Francisco, Minnesota, teams with a really good back, where they're just like, We're gonna shove it down your throat for sixty minutes. Stop it. The Packers don't seem to have the the wherewithal or the or the cojones to, to be able to step up and do it. I, I, am am I off base there? I'm I'm trying to be fair to the to the defense, but in big games against good teams, they really haven't shown up. No, I think that's fair, and it's it's weird when, like after Rodgers took the reins and took his lumps for a couple of years, I remember there was a period for that offense where if another team would go down and score, it was great because the Packers got the ball back because their offense was unstoppable, right. and they would go down and score. And that's just, like, you can't count on that anymore, and I don't know why. So that when they go down the field and they get a field goal or they get stopped, you know, if they go forward on fourth down, it just seems like such a, a, a shoulders long moment, like, oh, man, you know, now what do we do? And I, and I, was, I was watching, as I, as I do, um, a lot of the beat writers during the game, and somebody had put on there that in the Lafleur era, when the Packers get down by two scores, the collective body language is basically just packing it it's in. It's terrible. Now they didn't they didn't give up against the Vikings. Obviously, it was a six point game. They scored late. They they 
They made it something. Mm-hmm. But to me, that final score was not indicative of how it looked on the field. They were getting their brains beat in mm-hmm. on defense. Um, they were getting run over. Um, they couldn't do anything. They couldn't get any stops. They went for it on fourth down a couple of times. They, they didn't have Mason Crosby kicking, and I don't think it would have mattered because of the way that the wind was. But, no, I, you're right. I think mentally this team is soft, and I think they go in, and and maybe what happens on the first or second drive sets the tone for the game. I mean, Minnesota was able to, to run it effectively, and <laughs> – I just went, oh, great, this is how this is going to go today. Mm-hmm. And Cook winds up having a huge game. They can't get to the quarterback. They can't stop the run. I don't know once, and, and according to Pro Football, they're the worst efficient tackling team in the NFL. Is Preston Smith still on well, the Packers? I don't I don't really Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, seriously, like he was really so good know. last year, but he doesn't do anything this year. And I don't know, I mean, people are calling for Mike Pettin's head. People were talking about trade, adding something on defense, and they didn't do either of those. But it's, you know, the, the D coordinator is, is the first guy. I mean, you look on paper about whether you have some good guys, maybe it's the scheme that's the problem. But, like, nobody plays a base defense anymore, although it's from one of the guys, they said they played more of their base defense in this game than they did all season. But at the same time, you know, you have a lot of undersized, faster guys. Well, that's not that great when you have a team that's really good at running the ball. Right. And I I don't know. I just go back to some of those Packer teams that had two large human beings in the middle of that defensive line. And I know it was really hard to run on them. Yeah. and I don't, I don't know what else, you know, I'm not saying to fire Patton, but it's like there's certainly, and, and even LaFleur said it in his presser on Monday. Um, he said, we knew we were going to have to go in and stop the run, and we couldn't do it. Well, where's the fault in that? You know? Yeah, I, mean, I would think when you play the Vikings, I mean, I'd be like, yeah, Kirk Cousins beat me. Right. Right? I mean, wouldn't that be your number one defensive strategy to, like, take Dalvin Cook away and make Kirk Cousins beat you throwing the ball down the field? I don't know. And as far as, far as the personnel, I mean, you got a couple of guys that just haven't shown up at all. Like, Kenny Clark signed this monster deal, and he's trying to anchor this defensive line with Tyler Lancaster and Dean Lowry and a bunch of guys that probably shouldn't be starting, but that, but this is what they got. Preston Smith, had, you know, you put out an APB for him because he's been gone. From, uh, you don't even notice him on the field. Rashawn Gary, their first-round pick, he hasn't done anything. It's like, I'm just throwing. And, and then you've got Zadarius Smith. He's been trying to do everything that he can, but, you know, he just goes off the field every quarter with an injury in order to come back and then sits out. And, and, and there were tons of penalties. There, there was this sloppy game as well. Green Bay was hurting itself in the game. It was just bad. It was just bad all around. Well, let's talk about today. Uh, today was the trade deadline for the NFL, and um, a lot of rumblings about the Packers um, being involved in with some guys 
most notably, Will Fuller, wide receiver for the Texans. Um, I did read something, I believe it was from Ian Rappaport, you know, this afternoon that there was ongoing talks, but the Packers were having some internal disagreements about um, what they'd be willing to give up for Fuller. Um, Just give me your thoughts on them not doing anything. Um, There was a lot of frustration on Packer Twitter this afternoon from some people, some people that we know, (laughs) um, which is always, you know, which always makes me laugh and smile, but um, I, I empathize with the frustration. So I'd, I'd like to hear what you think about them kind of standing pat. It doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, a head coach obviously wants playmakers. He's not concerned with the long-term, um, you know, viability of the team like the general manager has. He's got to make those calls. And you know, and I think since Gudikins is a, student of Ted Thompson, you're not going to part with a draft pick unless it does you a lot of good, can guarantee a championship and won't, you know, potentially mess you over um, in the future. So the the price tag that I saw for Fuller from the Texans that they wanted was a second. Packers never offered more than a fourth. And that doesn't surprise me that they wouldn't go up to their level. And if you're Houston, I guess you don't have to do anything if you don't want. So not surprising. Um I mean, having having gone through this type of stuff the last decade plus, it doesn't really surprise me, but I am getting really tired of the gaping hole that a lot of the, the armchair quarterbacks that all of us are, that if it's obvious to people like us who don't know a whole lot about football comparatively speaking to the coaches and the players and the coordinators and all that stuff. But if it's obvious to other people where some of the weaknesses are, I'm getting really sick of general managers and coaches just going with what they got and just assuming that everything's fine. Like that to me is almost malpractice in a way because it's like you, you are, keenly aware of what the problem is and yet you continuously don't do anything about it i don't understand how people can do that in their jobs it's like here's one particular weakness that you have we'd like to see you work on that then you come back the next year in review and say all right so we identified that what did you do about it nothing well how can you keep your job if if it's readily apparent and you just absolutely ignore it I, I just don't understand that. But you know what? I've gotten used to it over the last few years. I really have. So you're, so you're frustrated? Of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm as everyone knows that listens to this and, and knows me, I'm not a Packer fan. I'm frustrated by it. I mean, I, I'm sitting here <laughs> watching this for the last several years, and the franchise just reeks of complacency to me. Um. You know, you and I have gone back and forth on this before about whether or not the Packers have more or less wasted Aaron Rodgers' prime. And, you know, you've you've retorted that, well, you know, they make the playoffs every year and they've won several divisions and they've been in conference championship games and, and stuff like that. But I, I don't know. I just when – you're, when you're a franchise like the Packers and you have a player like Rodgers, I think you owe it to – the, the a player like that and your fan base to do everything in your power within reason 
to to try to win right now all the time. And they they've always seemed like a franchise. And you touched on it with the the Ted Thompson philosophy with the draft picks. They always seem to be worried about not being bad in a couple of years over being great right now. And if if that was my team, I would be very frustrated. I mean, look, Packer fans can can come back at me as a Bear fan, and you guys laugh at our front office and the stupid quarterback decisions that are made and all that. Like, that's just ineptitude. I can live right. with, I, I under I get that. With the Packers, it just seems like complacency. And mm-hmm. I, I've I, I've told you this before. I kind of compare the Packer franchise to the Cubs, where it's like you're this really old historic team. You've got this uh, this old multi-generational fan base that isn't going anywhere. You play in basically a museum. You really don't have to go crazy all out to have great teams because you're going to make a ton of money. Your stadium's always going to be full. You've got a draw in Aaron Rodgers. It doesn't really matter if you make these kind of moves or not. And I still say that their greatest strength in years past has become one of their biggest weaknesses, and that's they don't have an owner, man. They don't have an owner. They don't have anybody sitting there going, what are we doing here? Like, let's go. I'm willing to spend some money. Let's give up the, you know, there's nobody at the top, and I know Murphy's the president, but he doesn't own the team. But you're right. Who Who is kicking him in the ass? Exactly. To kick the general manager in the ass. So I, I don't know, man. Like, you know, a guy we know said the Packers should trade Aaron Rodgers this offseason because he deserves better. I, I, If I'm Aaron Rodgers, I would probably, depending on how this season plays out, I might ask for a trade. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought about it today. In the last calendar year, the Packers have had four opportunities to improve their football team. Two trade deadlines, the draft, and free agency. They didn't do anything last year at the deadline. They didn't do anything this year at the deadline. Their free agent signings were Devin Funches, who on his best day is a third wide receiver. They got the replacement for Bulaga, and they signed Kirksey, who's eh, whatever. And then what? look at their draft. They draft a kid who's not going to play for four years in the first round. They draft a running back who can't get on the field and now is sick. And they drafted a blocking tight end in the third round. Like, you've done nothing in a year. I don't know, and you, and yet you keep you somehow you keep winning games despite yourself because you've got a great historic player in Aaron Rodgers. It's like if you put forth a little bit more, why would you not think you could win the Super Bowl? I don't get it. It's just it's bizarre to me. I think because, and I have no reason other than just. Um, just an inkling about how this works. I think they're so scared to wind up being a team like the Jets or the Giants. Right. Or somebody who, who's, who's wallowed in crap for however many years and they keep missing on these top draft picks that are supposed to pull them out that I think they're so worried about mortgaging everything to try for a championship that they're, that they're afraid that they're not going to be good for a decade. Mm-hmm. And and I don't mind that philosophy. But you if you're any good at, if you're if you're any good at your job though, you shouldn't be bad for a decade because right. teams like the Jets, they just keep hiring bad people. Like the Packers, 
I don't think Gudekunst is an idiot. I just don't like his philosophy. You know what I mean? I'm I not, just think uh, he's kind of scary. Well, maybe, yeah, whatever it is. But, like, again, but why would he be – the only thing to be scared of is what you're talking about of being bad for multiple years in a, you know, in a couple years down the road. But you don't even know if that's going to happen, you know? I, no. Like, something could fall into your lap. You might be bad in the right year and you get the next Trevor Lawrence, whoever that might be in four years or whatever. Like, you don't know. I don't know. No, I, they, I would be the, very the, frustrated, man. Very frustrated if I was a Packer fan. The, the un the unwillingness to roll the dice is getting old, and I don't mind them wanting to not be bad. But you also have to have the flexibility to make a couple of moves, and you have to be solid enough that those moves don't kill you for the next ten years. And nobody knows whether that's true or not because they never make the move. If you can put yourself into a position where you can add one guy and maybe hurt yourself for one particular draft, but still roll into the next season with the majority of the team you just had that won you a Super Bowl or got you to, to the NFC Championship, then I don't really see what a problem is with that whole thing. But they're just never willing to find that out. Yeah, I'm not even saying Will Fuller's the the guy that's going to put you over the no. top. Maybe you needed to go and find a another linebacker, whatever it is. It's just I I don't know why any Packer fan would be excited about going 12 and 4, winning the North, winning the divisional game and getting beat by Seattle in the conference title game. I I, I just like that that's like the that'd be like a Yankee fan this year being happy with their season. Well, we made the playoffs and we won the first we won the wild card round, but yeah, we lost to Tampa. Well, you're the Yankees, man. I that, think that's not what you're supposed get, to be doing. I think it would get particularly like it's going to be it's going to be irritating this year if they either win the division, make the playoffs, get to the title game and then lose again for the same reason. Like you need to be noticeably better than last year when you were just there. It's kind of like the Brewers. They got within one game of the World Series, so you expect them to go for it a little bit, and then you go into the next season, you're like, that's it. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. it, 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 you know, with the pack, and I, I mean, I get it, part of it is apples to oranges, but I'm just saying by the measurement of success of the team, you come within one game of making the Super Bowl, and you're not noticeably better, which says to, to most fans, like, what are you doing? Yeah, and you didn't try to get better. You right, didn't even try. The guys you nope. drafted are not contributing. So, right. yeah. Yep. All right, well, the schedule going forward for the Packers is not bad. Um, they got the Niners on Thursday night, which should be, a. I mean, the 49ers are playing practice squad guys at this point. They got nobody left, so that, that should right. be a win. Um, well. You know, then, they, you know, Jacksonville at Indy. You got the Bears twice. Uh, the Eagles, the Lions, Carolina, and Tennessee. I mean, you know, just looking at it on paper, I'm looking at like, I don't know, 12-4, and 13-3 looks pretty much a given here, barring any, any kind of c catastrophic injury to Rodgers. Yeah, um, I'm a little bit concerned about Thursday just because they have nobody now at running back. Um, Aaron Jones' half injury is still an issue. Jamal Williams got put on the COVID list. A.J. Dillon has COVID. And so now Tyler Irvin and Dexter Williams is going to get promoted from the practice squad. They've got like a combined 15 carries professionally in games heading into that. And I get it. The Packers running game hasn't been 
you know, world beaters to begin with. But one thing I did notice, and I, I think Jamal Williams is great, you don't have the luxury of Aaron Jones streaking down the field out of the backfield or being able to split out and combine with Irvin on the speed. That gives you a, a lot more offensive flexibility. So I'll be curious to see what LeFleur is able to do with your top three running backs unavailable. Yeah, I wouldn't be too concerned. One team's got Aaron Rodgers, the other's got Nick Mullins. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, let's get into uh, the Week 8 results. Um, some some interesting outcomes, to say the least. Um, we'll start Thursday night in what was a pretty, pretty ugly game. Uh, Atlanta knocked off Carolina 25-17. Uh, Sunday, Buffalo and New England in a much closer game than I thought it would be. Buffalo pulls it out at the end, 24-21. But uh, I thought that would have been a little bit of a statement game for the Bills, being that New England's pretty much crapped on them for 20 years. But mm-hmm. um, Buffalo the last couple weeks has not looked real impressive to me. Well, not only that, but New England was going to win the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if Newton doesn't fumble down inside the red zone, they're probably going to win. Right, right. Or at least send it to overtime. In what was, I don't know, maybe the biggest upset of the season so far? Probably. Uh, Cincinnati knocks off Tennessee 31-20. to um, That was pretty much an ass-kicking from, from, from the Bengals. Uh, Joe Burrow with another really good game. But uh, Tennessee's defense a uh, little bit exposed against uh, the Bengals. And the Bengals are one of those teams like they're not going to make the playoffs, obviously, and they're not really even very good, but they can beat, yeah, you know, they got some weapons, and uh, they're kind of an entertaining team. Well, I think that's probably just a feel-good game for Joe Burrow and gives the organization overall a lot of extra, you know, motivation going forward, just the fact that, you know, he could help beat a team like Tennessee in his rookie year. Uh, in a in a game I watched a little bit of because I had to start Derek Carr as my fantasy quarterback this week, unfortunately, oh in the God. in the forty five mile an hour wind gusts in Cleveland, uh, the Raiders win sixteen to six in uh, probably the grossest game of the year to this point. Um, <laughs> that Giants Washington one a couple weeks ago I think was probably up there, but um, this one was bad. Like. Nobody wanted to throw the ball downfield. The, the the field goal kickers were shitting their pants. It was uh, it was interesting. Um, Has Cleveland come back down to earth? Well, they're just inconsistent. You know, I mean, I think they're what they're five and three, but mm-hmm. they've beat nobody. And just when you like last week, they they get a nice win against the Bengals, come from behind, but then they go home and they can't score. So I, I don't I don't know what to make of that team. Um, okay. Indy blows out Detroit in Detroit, 41-21. I was a little surprised by that. Detroit had an opportunity at home to really get themselves back in the playoff race, but as Matt Patricia and his team are known to do, they just completely peed on their leg. The only thing I saw out of that game of note outside of the score was that apparently somebody else was starting in place to Jonathan Taylor um, in the second half, and I would just want to know the story on that. I yeah, guess. I haven't heard anything there. Um, okay. We had the Vikings, as we said, beat Green Bay 28-22. Uh, the Jets uh, kept it close for about a quarter. They kicked a couple field goals, but Mahomes throws for over 400 yards and five touchdowns in a 35-9 to Chiefs win. 
Um, another weird game. Uh, uh, I guess it's an upset, kind of. Uh, Miami scores two defensive touchdowns and a, and they run a punt back. Tua throws. Tua has his best Tim Tebow impression. Throws for ninety yards and gets the win. Um, Twenty-eight to seventeen over the Rams. And the Rams are another one of those teams. They're kind of like Buffalo, where like week to week, these these guys can look like they can win the Super Bowl, and other weeks they look like the worst team in the league. I don't know what to make of that. Yeah, the Rams are definitely a puzzlement. I mean, I was I was surprised, uh, you know, like everybody else, that Miami was going with their franchise guy coming out of a of a bye. But good for Andrew Van Ginkle, uh, former Badger, to return that fumble for the score because he had everybody mispronouncing his name. Yeah, sure. Um, for the first part of the highlight reel, you know the the two of things interesting because I a lot of talk this week about it and. I had forgotten Miami has Houston's first round pick. So the, a lot of people are saying they're, they're starting to a now because they want to find out what the hell they have in him. I mean, if somehow Houston ended up with the first pick or something and Trevor Lawrence is sitting there, what do you do? Right. So, well. you know, I mean, I think Miami's, I mean, they got a chance to, to make the playoffs or kind of hanging around in the fringe, but I don't know, man. Tua looked, he looked really little in that yeah, game. Oh, yeah. You know, yep. he looked really little. Mm-hmm. Um, game of the day by far, Pittsburgh at Baltimore. Um, Pittsburgh wins 28-24. Lamar Jackson, man, I can you win a big game, please? <laughs> I mean, you got the MVP last year because the media fell in love with you and your story, but, like, you sucked in the playoffs as a rookie. You sucked in the playoffs last year. You sucked against the Chiefs this year, and you sucked on Sunday. I mean, he throws a pick six in, like, the first two minutes of the game. And um, Pittsburgh is is a team, man. Like, they're undefeated. They're good. But I don't know that they're, like, undefeated good. You know what I mean? Yep. But, yeah, no, I think it's more of a process of, um, elimination for everybody else for who's the best, and you're just kind of left Pittsburgh. You don't automatically look at them being so dominant. You just see their record, and then you compare them to everybody else, and you're like, I guess they're better. Somehow the Chargers found a way to blow their uh, monster lead against the Denver team that is just not good. Um, Denver comes back and wins that one 31-30. Um, we talked about the Bears-Saints game, 26-23 Saints. Um, San Francisco, Seattle, a little closer than I think this, you know, was, was really the, should have been the outcome. Seattle wins 37, 27, um, DK Metcalf. I mean, that guy is just unbelievable. He went nuts. Russell Wilson's on pace for 612 touchdowns this year. Um, I could never have been more wrong about a, uh, about a combine guy. Yeah. Than I, than I was about DK Metcalf. He had a, he had a, he had a bad one or a good one. Oh, he had a great combine, and everybody said what a freak he was, even though he had no defined position, and it was just one of those things where I don't think he's going to be any good. And yeah, he kind of reminds me of To. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's, well, he's just huge. He's just like, you know, you know, he's in that To Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones, where it's like this dude is really just a physical specimen, and he also runs like a four three. <laughs> right, you know what I mean. That's so he can true. beat the shit yep. out of you, but if you don't get him down, he's gone. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the nightcap, I've, I mean, as soon as the Bear game was over, I was done with football for the weekend. I couldn't take <laughs> any more, especially when I knew the two games coming up. Uh, Philly beats Dallas on Sunday night, 23-9. to uh, uh, I mean, w- nothing even to say there. Um, and then last night, Tampa wins 25-23 over the Giants in what was I, – I caught little bits and pieces of it on accident because I was looking at my phone, and I'm like, how is this game close? But somehow the the Bucks pull it out at the end and on a controversial pick-up-the-flag pass interference call. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. Is, is that one of those games for Tampa where it was like that was like what, a test game? You know, they're on the road. They got a big one next week against the Saints. Maybe they're looking past the, the terrible Giants. It's one of those trap games, and I don't know. They pulled it out. I mean, I think it would have to be a trap game because if you got if you got problems going up against the Giants, then you got to look at stuff. But sometimes those games happen. But you know what? Good teams find a way to win rather than absolutely sucking like some teams are prone to do, a.k.a. Green Bay. Man, Daniel Jones, a lot of talent, but a lot of stupid in there too, man. He he makes so inconsistent. Oh, he'll he'll make a couple of plays in the game where you're like, oh my god, that was a that was an amazing play. And then he's then he's getting tackled by four guys and he just throws it and it gets picked yeah. off. And it's like, what are you doing? No, he 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 dropped a couple in there, including a touchdown late in the game where I was like, man, yeah. But then, like, even on that last play. He waited so long to get the ball out. He mm-hmm. threw it behind the guy yep. that, that necessitated the flag. And it's like, I totally agree. It's like, if, if that dude puts the ball where it's supposed to be, there's no reason for a flag. The game's over, that kind of thing. So it's like, you know what? You you throw you show up with that bad pass. You don't really deserve to win. So the AFC, uh, we're, we're basically at the midway point of the season here for most of these teams. Um, AFC playoff pitcher in order of seeds. Uh, you got Pittsburgh at seven and zero, Kansas City seven and one, Buffalo six and two, Tennessee five and two. Those are your division leaders. Baltimore coming in at five and two in the five seed. Indy in the six seed at five and two. Cleveland at five and three would be your seven seed. You've got the Raiders and the Dolphins on the fringe at four and three. So um, I think that the bottom there between Indy, Cleveland, the Raiders, and the Dolphins. Um, that'll be an interesting little little run there to see who gets to play uh, the Chiefs in um, in Pittsburgh right away. But uh, I don't know. Any, anything stand out there or surprise you? I would just like to see who stumbles going forward. Like how long Pittsburgh can can stay undefeated. Um, see whether Kansas City just keeps murdering the the, the really bad teams. Um, like you know. Are we going to have any more team, any, any more games like Cincinnati and the Titans? Right, right. You know, are, are we going to have any more than um, you know Indianapolis blowing somebody out? I, I is Cleveland going to be able to keep with the winning record? I, I'll, you know, a lot of that stuff I would just be really curious about. I feel like it's going to be hard for three teams to come out of the AFC North with Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and Cleveland. I just you kind of get the feeling that Baltimore and Pittsburgh are probably going to hang two losses apiece on Cleveland. And, mm-hmm. You know, and it's, do, do the Browns have enough other games on their schedule where they can get to maybe nine wins? But right. I, I don't know. That'll be tough. I just um, don't think they, I just don't think Vegas is very good. I don't think Miami has any sustainability there. Just depending on what else, what else happens with Buffalo and maybe New England. Well, in the East. 
And that's the thing. When you stretch your playoffs out with the seven seed, now they're even talking about going farther to an eight yeah. seed. I mean, you're what I, you're I talking about read. some not very good football teams making the playoffs. I, I just don't know that I would need to see a Raiders-Pittsburgh first-round game. I Like... Why? Why do I want? Why do I want an extra game where like Roethlisberger can get hurt in? Like I, I, I don't. I mean, I know why. It's money. Like Tony Kornheiser says, the answer to every question is money. But that just seems kind of stupid to me. It seems like we're head, we're headed this direction in almost every sport except for the NBA is playoff expansion because they find they they need to find a way to make and squeeze more money out of it where it's like the fan bases don't really need these extra teams. I mean, you know, and we'll get to this a little bit with, with baseball. I mean, do you really need an extra banner hung up because you are the mm. last of an expanded playoff team that was able to make it? Right. Right. No, I, I'm with you. So. All right. NFC, uh, Seattle six and one, Tampa six and two, Green Bay five and two, Philly three, four and one. Those are your division leaders. Uh, Saints at five and two, Cardinals five and two, and Rams five and three. That rounds out the top seven. Bears on the outside looking in uh, at five and three since they lost to the Rams, and the Niners hanging around at four and four. But I don't think for much longer. I think that's going to be uh, eight teams vying for seven spots here in the NFC in about two weeks. So um, that is the playoff picture at this point. Um, got anything on the NFC? Not really. I mean, I'm I'm feeling really comfortable about my Tampa Bay early season prediction. The the East will just continue to talk about being an an absolute uh, abysmal um, division of football. And other than that, I would just like to see some separation because you get you get a lot of these teams in there. Like, are are the Saints good at five and two? Are the Cardinals good at five and two? Are the Rams good at five and three? I mean, you can see games where you can you, you can definitely say, yeah, they look like they're good. Then you can see losses where you're like, well, maybe they're not so good. I, it's just to me, even though you're it's at the halfway point, it's even too early to make that kind of judgment. I think the Saints are sneaky. They got a good defense, and I mean, you know, Michael Thomas has played one game. Emmanuel right. Sanders has missed a couple games, and he's still trying to get acclimated. You know, he just joined the team this year. I mean, that's a pretty that's a pretty potent team, and I mean, freaking Camara is ridiculous. I mean, yeah, he is just on. You get that guy in the open field, and it is a ten to thirty yard gain every single time. He's a, he's impressive. Um, mm-hmm. All right, week nine matchups Thursday night. We talked about Packers at the Niners. Mm-hmm. Sunday, Denver at Atlanta. Oh. That is a definite no watch. <laughs> uh, Seattle at Buffalo. That that's an interesting one. Um, it would be a lot more fun if there were fans there because I think the Buffalo fans would really enjoy uh, the Seahawks coming to town. But you know, I mean, is that like the longest flight possible from Seattle to say, Buffalo? Outside, outside Seattle to Tampa Bay. Yeah, it's got to be right up there, right? Somebody in Miami, I mean, you're going literally coast to coast, um, and Seattle's probably going to play, what, uh, three, four hours earlier yeah. than they normally would, plus the time change. Yeah, that's a good mean, point. That's, I, and I don't know whether that, whether that will play in, but I mean, maybe combine that with the no 
no crowd. I mean, if there was a crowd there, then then you could probably say that the the logistics matter a little bit more. But I don't know. Bears at Tennessee, as we said, I don't like it. I don't like anything about it. The only thing I do like <laughs> about it is that Derrick Henry's my running back, and the Bears give up a lot of rushing yards. So there you go. All right. Uh, Balt- Baltimore at Indy, a uh, couple five and two teams. Uh, be interesting to see if Baltimore bounces back. And, uh, you know, Phillip Rivers going up against a pretty good Baltimore defense, uh, that would make me a little uncomfortable if I was a Colt fan. Mm, I, I agree on all points. Uh, Carolina at the Chiefs. Um, that, yeah. sh- that should be a, a nice win for KC. Detroit yep. at Minnesota. Uh, mm. another Giants at Washington. My God! Oh my God! Oh, and then another one, Houston at Jacksonville. Jesus! No. Ugh! I hope all those games are at noon, so I don't have to watch it, any of them. It um, seems like you got three or four of these types of games every week. Yeah, there's some just, bad just ones. Looking, yeah. Yep. I mean, you got Vegas at the Chargers. Eh, eh. Mildly entertaining. Uh, Pittsburgh at Dallas. I mean, just I, there's not enough anything in the world to get me to watch Dallas. I'm sorry. Um, Miami at Arizona, that'll be a fun one. I, I think that might be the late game I'm going to try to watch. Um, Tua against Kyler Murray, that, that that's kind of intriguing. Does it bother you that there are so few options for late games? Yes. Like, last week there were three, and like CBS, and I, I, I mean, I know that you have the red zone so you can watch all this, like, I did not have the early an early CBS game, right? And yeah. the, the the game of the week potentially for Sunday was Pittsburgh and Baltimore, and we did not have it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would. I'm granted, you know, we were still watching. You know, Packers that, were on, it but been yeah, nice. you'd like to be able to flip nice over to something. Yes, exactly. Well, but then they then they covered a late game on CBS, and I can't remember. Who it was? Who was it? Was the Denver Charger game? Yes. Yeah, and that's that's been the problem. It's like they have their you know whoever it's Fox or CBS they have their their game of the week, and this week it was Bears uh, Saints. But like the other two or three games are just garbage. Right. Yep. Yeah, it sucks. Um, Night game Sunday night uh, Saints at Tampa round two. If you remember the yeah the Saints won in week one. Um, I would think this is going to be a Tampa victory. There's, they're really playing pretty well. Don't know how healthy the Saints are going to be, and uh, you know this would really give Tampa a leg up in the division. And then Monday night, which is another dumpster fire, this, the the Patriots <laughs> at the Jets. Oh, my God. Why, why on earth, what has given any indication over the last few years that you want to put the Jets on national television? I don't know. Do, like, do they... Do do Jet fans tune in in droves? I don't. Maybe they do. I don't know. Maybe because it's the top market. But I, I mean, is it is it a franchise that always has the stadium full, even though they're terrible? No. Then then why do they why do they think that? Okay, does does New York then carry the national market? I mean, I can't. I don't know anybody west of the Mississippi that would want to watch that game. I don't even know anybody in the Midwest that would want to watch that game. I don't either. It's terrible. All right. Four teams on a bye, Bengals, Browns, Rams, and Eagles. So that wraps up our football. We got a nice solid hour out of that today, Gold. Wow. All right. Well, you know, that'll happen when I have to cry about the Bears for 20 minutes and then you get to cry (laughs) about the Packers for 20 minutes. Then, then, you know, then we got 20 minutes for the other stuff. So. Fine. 
All right, just a couple of notes on baseball. Uh, Dodgers won the World Series in six, which you and I both thought was probably going to happen. Um, the big story was Justin Turner getting pulled in the seventh inning for testing yeah. positive for the COVID. Then he went back out on the field to celebrate with his teammates afterward, and you know, and then everybody on online had to have their full outrage about it. Um, I, I, I mean, you couldn't find anything that I gave less of a shit about than whether or not that dude celebrated with his team. I, I don't care. And have we heard? And 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 not that I care, but just in terms of coverage, have we heard anything about any of his other teammates? that have come down with it, that were in close proximity to him. No, and I, I don't know if that's because nobody got it or if because now that the season's over they don't have to report it, but no, we haven't, right. we haven't heard anything. So that, And that I would lean towards the latter, but right. in, in, in the age of giving every amount of <laughs> somebody, attention. If somebody would have got it, they would have Instagrammed it or tweeted it. Right. Or, yeah, yeah. And, and, and you'd think that that would be national news considering the circumstances. But I, you're, I, I think this is a byproduct of baseball. All the writers just saying, oh, good, the season's over. We don't have to do shit. Uh, Devin Williams of the Brewers uh, is in the uh, Rookie of the Year running yep. for the National League, so that's, that's cool. Um, something I saw on Twitter today, and I tried to get confirmation of whether or not it was real or if it was Photoshopped, and the person I asked wasn't able to verify, but... I saw a picture today that a Brewer fan put up of inside Miller Park. They had unveiled the banner for the 2020 wildcard season. I saw that too. Um, a season where you were 29 and 31, never a day over 500 in an expanded playoff season where you went in the playoffs and got swept in two games. And in game two, Ryan Healy was your cleanup hitter. I don't, think that deserves a banner i'm not sure but i would i would lean to no i mean i know that they've put up banners for every other time they've made the playoffs here in the last few years but to me it's a little different um you so know, you're saying it's a, it, it should be all circumstantial because if they and i don't have i don't care either way if to me I'm not going to say an embarrassment because you made the postseason. To me, that's an indictment on everybody else who couldn't do better than that. Um, but if, if it's going to be circumstantial, then you could probably have an argument. But if your if your baseline criteria is we made the playoffs, then fine, hang it. Then everybody can see it, and everybody can have the argue, the conversation that we're having. Like, oh God, yes, you remember that year? What a joke that was. Yeah, I, I mean it. <laughs> It's just it was such a weird year, and I'm not sure anything really matters if unless you won the title, um, right. you know. And I mean, it's one of those things. It's not like I'm I'm going to get bent out of shape about it one no. way or the other because nope. it's no skin off my ass either way. But you know, right. when they put up the banner for the 08 wild card, that was cool because they had made the playoffs yeah. in 26 years. But right. now you've made the playoffs like four times in nine years or ten years or whatever. I don't know that we need to be putting up one game wild card banners and stuff like that. Like you win the division, mm-hmm. that's cool. You know, you right. want to put something up for for making the LCS or hopefully someday eventually making the World Series. But 
It's kind of like my thing, what I said about the Packers. Like, I'm kind of over the Brewers just making the playoffs now. Like, right. I, I've seen it. I've seen them advance. I've seen them get close. Like, just making it doesn't do anything for me anymore. Like, I want to win. So, well, that's 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 where I'm at. Nope. Completely agree. All right. A uh, little bit of basketball news. Uh, it came out today. The, uh, the NBA is going to have a meeting on Thursday. Um, to talk about the the day uh, the new season is going to start. Um, from all reports right now, the owners, the league, and the networks are, are heavily pushing for a December 22nd start date to the season. Um, obviously, all three of them want the Christmas Day games. That's a, that's a very, very lucrative deal for both the league and the networks, obviously. Um, so they're trying to get that the league started before Christmas. The players' union, as of course unions do, will never accept the first thing that is proposed to them. They wanted to start three weeks later uh, around Martin Luther King Day, um, but the NBA is talking about a five hundred to a billion dollar loss by putting it off an extra couple of weeks. I'm not sure how they arrived wow. at that figure. Um, but I, I, you know, the 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 people that are saying it should start later, they're leaning on the well. The season just ended, you know, about three or four weeks ago. It's not enough of an off season. But you had twelve teams that haven't played since March. Then you had another four teams that haven't played since like mid August, and like another eight teams who haven't played since September. So, with the exception of about four teams, the rest of the league's been off for three months at least some of them for eight months. Um, so it kind of makes sense to start in December, honestly, um, obviously for the financial reasons, but I think from a basketball reason too, like some of these teams, like they got you got to get back at it. You know, um, the draft is supposed mm-hmm. to be on November 18th. They're talking about free agency starting about a week after that. But, you know, if the players throw up a lot of roadblocks with this and by players, it's basically going to be like, LeBron, Chris Paul, some of the older stars, um, and you know a couple of the guys on the Lakers have already come out and said if we start in December, don't expect to see LeBron James play right away. Um, you know, whatever, teach his own. If there's no fans in the stands, whatever. You don't want to play, don't play. Um, but the owners still have the option if things don't go well here in this in this meeting in the next couple weeks, they can tear up the contract of the CBA. Um, and and lock these guys out and start from scratch, and I don't think the players want to do that because with with this COVID thing going on, the financials are just nuts. Of uh, nobody really knows what's going to happen. So, a lot of lot of things up in the air with the NBA. It'll be nice to, you know, I I told my dad the other night, this is the first Halloween I can remember that I didn't have a buck game to watch. Yeah, you know, like this because right now this is opening weekend. We we just passed opening weekend of a traditional NBA season. It's always Halloween, and uh, to not have any basketball right now sucks. You know, I mean, I've seen all these things on Twitter of like, you know, twenty years ago today was Kevin Garnett's debut, and seven years ago today mm-hmm. was Giannis's debut, and it's like all the rookies now. It's going to be like their debuts are like New Year's Eve. It's just weird, you know. 
But I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm hoping it gets going, obviously, sooner than later because I want, I want some basketball in my life. Um, but sure. I don't know, man. The the players right now have got a lot of power. And I tell you what, I, depending on how tonight goes with the election, I I don't have a clue what the fallout is going to be tomorrow. It, it, well, who, who knows? And I guess that was my... That was my initial question about just looking at the NBA timeline about starting on Martin Luther King Day versus wanting to get those games done on Christmas and starting in the late stages of December. I mean, if if we're all talking and a lot of people at the CDC are saying that it's going to get worse before it gets better and we're not even into winter yet and we're already spiking across all kinds of stuff, I mean, don't get me wrong. I want fans in arenas and stadiums and everything else, but I guess is it really going to matter for the NBA to push it back three weeks, or is this simply a player's wish because they don't want to get back at it so quickly because of the late finish? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But that that, that was just my thought. I don't care either way. Well, uh, if I'm not going to have freaking NBA basketball till the new year, we we may not have a high school season to broadcast. I don't know what the hell's going on with college basketball. I, I'm I'm no. hopeful that they're going to play. By all indications, it sounds like they're going to try to play. Um, but you're going to have one pissed off dude if I don't have basketball for the next two months. <laughs> I'm Jones and man. I, I know that. I know it just got over. People are like Jesus. What are you talking about? It just got over. But it's like once the Bucks were out, I didn't watch that much because there was just other shit to do. Um, right. I'm 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 kind of ready to to get that going again, but we'll we'll see what happens. Right. Um, last thing we want to hit here before we go, I'll let you take this because you're a little more plugged in than me. The Badgers um, canceled the game this Saturday against Purdue. They've got what is it, 27 positive cases right now between mm-hmm. players and coaches. Um, yep. Not good. No, and I and I, I tried to follow as much of Barry Alvarez's uh, press conference or a Zoom meeting or whatever you want to call it that he had today, and he said that they were hopeful that they got it under control, um, but that they started with a few positives um, this week, Monday and Tuesday. They felt confident that they had things going on, but the last three days they've had 11 new positives. So that means that they had a lot of, contact with players that had it that maybe didn't know it until later on and then pass it on to some more guys where the symptoms didn't pop up until later and then they got tested um Alvarez said he's confident in in the protocol but this is this to me and, and Wisconsin is getting killed for this on on a national level and it does nothing for the Big Ten either as a whole it's just it's just kind of embarrassing, and I don't, I don't have any idea about whether the students themselves are putting each other at risk by not following mandated lockdown stuff, if they're just doing what they want to do because they're college students. You would think that they, each individual would be a little bit more responsible, like a lot of the NFL guys appear to be taking this pretty seriously because there's been no spikes on some teams since the first couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just really as, as much as I was looking forward to Badger football and seeing things after that first game, 
I have completely swung the pendulum the other way as far as disappointment is concerned. This is really, really disappointing to me. I'm like, I, okay, Purdue's not a great team, and it's, uh, but I really wanted them to see Nebraska. I don't know what it's going to look like for Michigan. I don't even know how the hell you get, you know, another three or four games. If everybody's got to miss 21 days, right. what kind of depth are we talking about when they finally get back to play? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not super surprised that there's been an outbreak with the kids. I'm. I'm just shocked that they've got 12 coaches that have tested for it. Yeah, that, that that to me is the bigger red flag. It's like, well, what are you guys doing? You're the adults here, right? You know, kids are going to be kids. Like for all you know, one guy got it and he didn't know it, and he had three of his teammates over, and then they went home and they all had it no. and gave it to the. You know, that I don't know, but like for 12 coaches to get it. I don't know. That's well. That's a little bit of a concern. Yeah, I mean, I I guess if you look at it like, okay, let's say the strength and conditioning coach is in the weight room, gets it from one of the kids, goes into a position meeting with some of the coaches, passes it on to the some coordinator who gives it to the assistants, who passes it on to the other coordinator. I mean, you don't know how this shit could spread. For sure, for um, sure. No, I um, get it, but it's for, just like for, for how that. I I just would be like, yes, if the strength and condo if that situation happen yes but like that's the guy that's supposed to be wearing the mask and supposed to be social distance at all times because he's right. the 45 50 year old guy that should know better but yeah i sure. i don't know how yep. the badgers can justify being eligible for the college playoff even if they were even if they played what they would no. end up playing what six games i think um I just don't think if you miss more than one game you should be eligible i mean it's not necessarily anybody's fault but, you know, if you go 5-0 and or something in the Big Ten and, you know, Georgia goes 6-2 and or 7-1 and in the SEC, I'm not sure you've really deserved to be there over them. You know what I mean? Well, they didn't they mandate right at the beginning where you had to play there's, six out of the eight games? Yeah, there's some rule. I'm not sure what it is. but For the conference championship. Yeah. But, so, I mean, like, you miss one more and you're done. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm thankful for the, for, for the players that everybody is eligible again. Like, this this year, in, in effect, for their eligibility, doesn't count. Mm-hmm. So they've, fa- they've factored that in so that if something like this happens, which it has, then at least you can, you know, pack it in and go fresh next year. At this rate, Graham Mertz may end up being older than Daryl Bevel when he completes his career. <laughs> I didn't think that was possible. Good one. All right, man, you got anything else, or...? I don't. I don't really have anything. I mean, you and I were kind of talking off, off air, if you will, before we started rolling. Just about, you know, a lot of the, you know, and, and we usually wrap up with some sort of a high school note. There's going to be a big school board meeting on Tuesday when we record uh, next week, which hopefully back in Studio B. Uh, by the way, if if you'll have me over and feel safe about that, yeah. Um, there, there's a big meeting to decide whether basketball for Janesville, Craig Janesville Parker will go forward and the talk is that there's going to be kind of a, a bubble between Rock and Walworth County and um, December 1st they're looking at you know the first possibility of the first game and maybe we'll be able to go call some games this year because right now I'm really missing high school football seeing some <coughs> pardon me seeing some some radio stations be able to do games some places in the southwest and southeast corners of the state some good teams still playing um because i'm you know part of the job and it's, it's 
fun part of the job. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really missing that. So we'll see how the school board meeting goes. We'll probably touch on that a little bit next week. I'll see if I can find out a little bit more about the proposal. Yeah, I hope we get some good news, man, because I got, I got to have something to do this winter. I'm going to be climbing the walls. It's <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's going to be I rough. I've been, I've, I've been inside my house for 10 days. I couldn't even go to Mulligan's or Quick Trips to get a soda. I'm, I'm, I, I might play a little COVID golf tomorrow because the temperatures are so – I might just go by myself. Hey, why the hell not? Nope. Why not? All right, man. Well, that does it for this show. Um, hopefully, yeah, like you said, hopefully next week we'll be back in person doing this and, uh, you'll be feeling a hundred percent and, um, I don't know. We'll see what happens with our football teams here in the next couple days, but Mm -hmm. I don't have good, good feelings. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, this is the intentional foul. Check us out on Twitter. Tell your friends, follow us, talk about us, subscribe, whatever. Do the things you do with podcasts. So. All right, man. I'm Dan. I'm Josh. We'll catch you down the road. Red Hot Maxion returns.